Hi, and welcome to another inspiring message recorded live at Eagles Nest Church in Roswell, Georgia. We know that what you're about to hear will encourage your soul, enrich your spirit, and enlarge the vision God has for your life. We hope you're ready to soar. And now, here's Senior Pastor Lee Jenkins of Eagles Nest Church. Two best friends, one white, one black, were arguing and having a debate about God's racial identity. Uh, the black guy said, no, man, I know God is black. He, he has to be black because God got a lot of soul. <laughs> he has to be black. And so the white guy said, oh, man, God is, God is white. I, I know God is white because it says he owns a cattle on a thousand hill. He owns everything. And that's why he's white, because he owns everything, okay? But they were just really being facetious. They were just kind of kidding, but they were kind of serious in a way, because the black guy was like, no, man, God is black. I know it. And the white guy, no, man, God is white. I know he's white. And so they were arguing while they were driving, and unfortunately, they ran off the road. They were in a bad accident, and, and they both passed away. And moments later, they found themselves in heaven on the streets of gold, standing in front of the pearly gates, and St. Peter came out. And you know what these guys were doing? They were still arguing. <laughs> the black guy's like, no, man, God is black. The white guy, no, man, God is white. No, God is black. God is white. And St. Peter said, hey, stop all this arguing. We can solve this right now. I'm going to take you to see God. So they're like, good. So they're walking down the streets of gold going to see God, and they come to this incredible, magnificent curtain, almost like the Wizard of Oz. And so St. Peter said, are you all ready? Because you're going to see whether God is black or whether God is white. They said, we are ready. And the black guy's like, I know he's black. The white guy says, I know he's white. And they opened the curtain, and God came out, and he said, buenos dias, senores. <laughs> I knew Christian and Fernando would like that, don't you? <laughs> so we all try to put God in a little box based on our culture, based on our history, based on our perspective, Based on our experience, we, we reduce God to, to our minute way of thinking, to our small way of thinking. And God is a great God. God is a big God. So I want to talk to you today about an incredible subject that I think is so apropos for us today. And I want to start this off by reading a phenomenal passage from Psalm chapter 133, verses 1 through 3. It's a very short psalm, only three verses, but boy, they are power-packed. I'm going to be reading from the NIV translation. If you have your devices or your iPads or Bibles, or you can look on the screen. Again, we're reading from the New International Version. Psalm 133, verses 1 through 3. It says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people Live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, 
running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessings, even life forevermore. I want to speak to you today from the subject, the power of unity. The power of unity. Uh, As we often do at Eagle's Nest Church, we like to talk to our neighbor. Not only can you talk to me while I'm up here, you can even talk to each other. You can say stuff like, I know that's right, okay? (laughs) Preach it, pastor, preach it. You can even say, ouch, if it hurts a little bit. But I'd like for you to just say something to your neighbor right quick. Just look at them in their eyes and say, neighbor, There is power power in unity. unity. Yes, there is. There is power in unity. I mean, a whole lot of power when you are unified. When a church is unified, there is a whole lot of power. God's church. When a family is unified, when a nation is unified, and when the races are unified, there is power in that. Many Bible scholars believe that King David wrote this psalm as he was being crowned king of an extremely divided nation, the nation of Israel. Some scholars call it a divided monarchy. Up to this time, the nation of Israel had been split. They had the northern kingdom, And they had the southern kingdom, which was called Judah. So you have this nation, and you have uh, up north, and you got down south, and they were completely divided. They were not unified. If I had to give them a name, it would be the divided states of Israel, not the United States of Israel. If this were today, it would be similar to the relationship maybe between Republicans and Democrats or conservatives and liberals, or the Trumpites and the Clintonites, or maybe even blacks and whites. In 2 Samuel chapter 2, David had already become king of Judah, which was in the southern kingdom. Now he is being crowned king of the entire nation. So his challenge as this new king of this entire nation was to see how can he bring these people together? How could he unify them? So Bible scholars believe this is what David was thinking as he was penning these words. But not only that, uh, many people believe that David also wrote this psalm to instruct his sons um, because they had become very antagonistic toward each other. He had many sons, but he had two, Absalom and Amnon, And Absalom murdered Amnon. So out of his sons, he had one that murdered the other. So many believe David wrote this psalm not only as his desire to unify Israel, but also to keep his sons from acting like they were enemies. So he, his heart is broken. His his country is divided. And his family is divided. Doesn't that sound familiar? How we can have so much division in our country and even in our family. 
So I want to talk about this a little bit because this psalm teaches us that there is power in unity. There is incredible power. Psalm 133.1, it starts it off by making a profound statement. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. The converse is also true. How bad and how unpleasant it is when God's people live together in disunity. Disunity just feels bad. Maybe that's why a lot of us just, I mean, some of us have joy, but it's not the kind of joy we have because even the joy we have sometimes is temporary because we know we not only are we a divided nation, we're just kind of a divided people. And it doesn't feel good. But not only that, the text goes on to say how good and how pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. So now he specifies this good feeling and this pleasant feeling ought to be present in the lives of those of us who call on the name of Jesus Christ. In other words, we ought to be leading the charge when it comes to unity. We ought to be the people setting the standard. We ought to be the folks that, God, uh, that people look up to. Instead, Dr. Martin Luther King's words still ring true. 11 o'clock a.m. on Sunday is the most segregated hour of the week. Because God's people haven't learned how to come together. We haven't learned how to talk. We haven't learned how to love each other. We haven't even learned how to respect each other, let alone worship with each other and be friends. So that's one of the reasons this service is so important. And as you will hear after the sermon, this is just the beginning of some of the things that we want to do. So the text says how good and how pleasant it is when God's people live together. Somebody say live together. Now, it didn't say how good and pleasant it is when God's people tolerate each other. It says live together. In some versions, it says dwell together. You see, when dwelling is different than just coming by for a visit. Dwelling is different than just going to church with somebody or showing up at a church service or showing up over here and then you go and your life doesn't change. Dwelling is when you have people over your house. Dwelling is when you sit at the table and you look in each other's eyes. Dwelling is when you build a relationship. In fact, this is just a rhetorical question. When is the last time you've had somebody at your house who didn't look like you? When is the last time you sat across from the table? Not business, not, not work environment, on a personal level and had a conversation and had dinner or lunch with somebody who doesn't look like you. And you see, this is, this is what we have to do. We don't just tolerate each other. We're supposed to be sharing lives with each other. That's what God's people are supposed to be doing. So we don't have, we shouldn't just have visitation rights. When we pop in, pop out. No, we should be doing life with each other. But then he gets to the crux of the matter. He says how good and how pleasant it is when God's people, us, live together, which is what we should be doing. But how do we do that in unity? In unity. That begs the question, what is unity? First, let me explain to you what unity is not. Unity is not 
sameness. Unity is not uniformity. Unity is not everybody looking the same, thinking the same, acting the same, voting the same, or even worshiping the same. Now, our selfish nature tells us that if we can't have all these things in common, that we can't have unity, and that is a lie. You don't have to be alike in order to be unified. A good example is the Godhead, the, the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God composed of three co-equal persons, unified in essence, but distinct in personality. So what is unity? Very simple. Unity is oneness of purpose. I need you to let that sink in. Unity is oneness of purpose. Oneness of purpose. Let's talk about that. What does that mean? It means when individual parts come together for a common purpose, you get unity. Purpose, not personality, drives unity. Purpose, not preferences, drive unity. Unity is uniqueness moving in the same direction. Unity is differences moving in the same direction. That's why I personally have a little pet peeve about people who say that they are colorblind. When people tell me that they are colorblind, I say, wow, you, have, you must have been in a lot of accidents in your life, a lot of traffic accidents, because you couldn't see the red light, the green light, the yellow light, because you're colorblind. Or I might recommend my optometrist to them so that they can see. The issue is not that you see color. The issue is when you do see color, how do you respond to it? It's nothing wrong with seeing color. I mean, we love the colors of the fall. We love the leaves when they turn brown. And, and we love the colors of the spring and all the flowers and the beautiful things. This what, it, it makes life joyful. It, it, it's, it's great to look at. So the goal is not to be colorblind. The goal is to celebrate our differences, to rejoice over it and, 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 and to, to accept one another. But we have to be moving in the same direction. A football team does that. You have different men who are different sizes, who have different skills levels, who have uh, some of them are slow, some of them are fast, some of them are big, some of them are small. Some of them are black, some of them are white, okay? They all go to different colleges, they have different backgrounds, but when they get on that field, oneness of purpose is their goal. Their goal is to win, and not only to win, to defeat their enemy that's across that ball. Our goal is to advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God. And we have an enemy. Yes, that's our goal. And so we've been playing this game, and we don't even know why we're playing it. But we do have an enemy, and that's one of the reasons that we haven't seen unity, because we have let the enemy divide us. Amen. Marriage. How many of y'all are married? Raise your hand. Okay, you can put your hands down. 
How many of you all are just like your spouse? Raise your hand. I mean, just, y'all think the same. Y'all do the same. Y'all like all the same stuff. I don't see any hands raised. Okay. But hopefully you have a great marriage because you have oneness of purpose, but you are different and you celebrate those differences. My wife and I, she's not here so I can talk about her. I mean, y'all, y'all just don't know. I mean, my wife, we have so many differences. We have so many differences. And, and, and I knew that when I met her because she was carefree. She was from California. You know, I'm from the South. I grew up in Atlanta, you know, and we just had some differences. But boy, when we got married, everything was magnified. I'm like, oh my Lord, what in the world? I told her, you don't, you don't roll the tissue from the bottom. You roll it on the top. And she says, my family rose it from the bottom. I said, your family was wrong. They're just wrong. You know, the way she squeezed the toothpaper, I used to, you know, now they have these fancy things, but I would start from the bottom and you just roll it all the way up. Okay? She just grabs it and just, just, just squeeze it any kind of way. And it just looked like somebody just beat up the toothpaste, you know. It used to drive me crazy. And, and, and then we don't even like to shop at the same grocery stores. I'm a Publix type of guy. And, any Publix people out there, okay? Because Publix is so neat and pristine, and everything is right in the right order. I go in Publix, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, this is my kind of environment. But my wife, she's a Kroger kind of girl. How many Kroger people we got out there? All right, we need to pray for y'all right now. Because I can't find what I want at Kroger. I mean, I'm looking all over the place, you know, I just like, it's just, it just confuses me. It's just, it's just something about the way they have this stuff. And, you know, and so my wife loves Kroger. I love Publix. So we just say, okay. She, then she tells me, well, Publix costs more. I say, yeah, but it makes me feel good. <laughs> makes me feel good. So you don't have to be like me. I don't have to be like you. Because when we have these differences and they come together, it could come together and it, 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 could, it could produce something great. I mean, you don't have to like, if, if you're white, what, what, what I like. I mean, you, you don't have to like R&B music, okay? And I don't have to like country and western either. Thank the Lord. Some of the saddest songs I've ever heard. Like, man, how do you listen to this, man? <laughs> but, but the bottom line, actually, I kind of like country western a little bit. It's kind of growing on me. But you can't have a successful family. You can't have a successful church. You can't have a successful nation. And you certainly can't have successful race relations without unity. So the very thing that we disdain amongst each other, which is our differences, we ought to be celebrating. We ought to be embracing them. We ought to be learning from each other. It's nothing like sitting down across a table from somebody completely different than you, a different perspective, different history, different experience, like my relationship with Pastor Matt Miller. We've learned so much from each other. So the psalmist David wants to teach us something today about unity. And Lord knows we need to know what God's word has to say. Let's jump right into these three points. I just want to kind of take three nuggets out of this incredible passage. Nugget number one, 
When we are unified, we get God's presence. Now, that may not sound profound, but I'm telling you, it is so true. When, we, when you are unified, when, when we are unified, that's when we will see the presence of God like never before. When we're unified. You see, the reason some churches don't experience God's presence is because they are an agent of disunity, not unity. So our text compares unity to oil. Psalm 133, verse 2, it says, Unity, it is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. Can, can we just dissect that just for one minute? Precious oil. Oil back in the Bible days, especially this kind of oil, it was used to consecrate. It was used to anoint. It was even used to, uh, to bury people. It was a kind of oil they would put on people. It was a very precious oil. In fact, some of this oil costs something. Unity will cost you something. Unity is not a Sunday picnic. Unity cost. And this oil cost. So unity is like a precious oil. It didn't say unity was like a cheap oil. It didn't say unity was like a discount oil. It says unity was like a precious oil. Things that are precious cost something. So if you and I want unity in our race relations, in the church, in our family, it's going to cost it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be a picnic all the time. It's going to cost. But then he goes on to say that unity is like precious oil poured on the head. Poured on the head. It is interesting that when they describe unity, the first place that this oil hits is the head. I submit to you that unity does start at the head. If pastors can't get it right, if leaders can't get it right in our nation, then there is almost no hope for everybody else. If we can't, if the leaders, if the influencers, if, if, if people who lead congregations can't even come together and talk and, and, and love each other and respect each other, how in the world are we going to expect all these other folks to do it if we can't set an example? Amen. That's why this is so important, what we're doing here, because it starts at the top. I've been meeting with Pastor Matt Miller for about four months or so, and we did not want to do this service three or four months ago because we felt like we had to model this first as leaders because it starts on the head. But not only that, it says, it, 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 unity, um, it is poured on the head, running down on the beard. You know what is interesting is that it talks about a beard. Uh, and, and you know, it's just the imagery here is a mature person. It takes a mature person to have unity. Running down on the beard. Running down on a, on a person that is mature. Not silly, 
not, re- not responding to ridiculous Facebook posts and Twitter posts, not getting caught up and embroiled in all this crazy talk. We have to be bigger than that if we want to be unified. So it says, uh, running down on the beard, on Aaron's beard, Aaron was the priest, of course, down on the collar of his robe. robe. Here, here's what is kind of signifying that unity flows downward. Flows downward. Husbands and wives, how are you going to have unity in your family with your children if you can't even be unified as husband and wife? Business owners, how are you going to have unity within your company if you can't even be unified with your leaders? And of course, pastors, how can we tell our congregations to be unified if we can't even do that? So, when we are unified, we get God's presence. Number two, when we are unified, we get God's provision, his provision. That means he provides what we need when we are unified. Psalm 133.3 describes this provision. He says, uh, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. Oh, what a great picture. Dew. We know about dew. Dew is refreshing. It's nothing like going out in the morning and filling the dew or seeing the dew. Dew is abundant. Dew is fruitful. <coughs> dew cools things down. And a lot of us have been real hot lately. Steaming hot. About what we believe or our perspective on this or that, I think some of us just need a little do on our life, a little unity. So it says Mount Hermon, it says the dew fell on Mount Hermon as if the dew of Mount Hermon, Mount Hermon was falling on Mount Zion. Now, if you read this too fast, you'll miss it. It is as if the dew of Mount Hermon, so Mount Hermon has the dew, it is as if it were falling on Mount Zion. Mount Hermon is the highest point in Palestine, Palestine, and Mount Zion is situated right beneath it. So you got Mount Hermon and you got Mount Zion. They're close in proximity. They are actually connected. So Mount Zion is connected to Mount Hermon. While the dew does not fall on Mount Zion, Mount Zion still gets the dew because it fell on Mount Hermon. So here's the lesson. You got to be careful who you're connected to. You don't get unity being connected to the wrong people. You see, Mount Zion couldn't have gotten the dew if it had not have been connected to Mount Hermon. And because the dew came to Mount Hermon, it came to Mount Zion. So all I'm saying is, is they were close in proximity and one benefited from the others due because they had some kind of relationship. They were close. Who you hang out with, who you are close to, will determine whether or not you can be an agent of unity. Because see, some of us have been hearing so much disunity from our friends, from our family, and we've let that stuff get in our spirit. And what has happened now is hard for us to be an agent of unity because we're not connected to Mount Hermon. So do you have any Mount Hermons in your life? Number three, 
When we are unified, we get God's blessings. We get God's blessings. Why do I say that? Because Psalm 133, the second part of verse 3, he says, For there the Lord bestows his blessings, even life forevermore. For there, for there the Lord bestows his blessings. For there the Lord bestows his blessings. For there, well, what is there? There is the place where unity is. There, oh, I'll bestow my blessings right there because I see unity. I'll, store, I'll, I'll, I'll bestow my blessings right there because I see unity. So if unity attracts the blessings of God, disunity repels or blocks the blessings of God. In other words, God is, does not like to hang out where there is disunity. And I need you to remember that. Last verse, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. The profound and incredible words of the Apostle Paul, which I believe are very apropos for us today. The Paul, Apostle Paul says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. He says, be completely humble. By the way, you, you can't be unified if you're arrogant. You, you can't be unified unless you're humble. You have to be willing to humble yourself to say, you know what, I don't know everything. My perspective, my perspective, experience is my experience, but you know what? That doesn't mean that whatever I've gone through and whatever I've experienced is how it ought to be for everybody else. That takes humility. It takes humility to listen. It takes humility to empathize. It takes humility to care. So what does he say right here? He says, uh, be humble and gentle. Boy, we've lost that gentle touch in how we talk to people. He says, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Keeping or preserving unity requires hard work and a lot of effort. But he says, it's not the unity of the flesh we're supposed to try to keep. It's the unity of the spirit. The spirit means the Holy Spirit. It takes the power and the presence of God for us to have real, authentic Christian unity. It takes the Holy Spirit to bring us together. That's what it's going to take. Let me see that. I don't know about you, but I love to eat sandwiches. <laughs> I love to eat hamburgers. And, and there is an ingredient that I always like on my sandwiches. And it is called mayonnaise. I'm a mayo type of guy. Any mayo type of people out there? All right, good. I mean, I mean I'm not saying I discriminate against ketchup and mustard, okay? I'll let them in on the party too. But I got to have me some mayonnaise. And so as I studied mayonnaise, I found out maybe it's why they call it Miracle Whip. Because it is a miracle that there is a such thing called mayonnaise. 
And I'm going to tell you why. Because mayonnaise is made up of two primary substances. The two dominant substances are oil and water. Oil and water. Now, here's the problem. Oil and water don't like each other. Oil and water don't go to the same church. Oil and water don't worship the same way. Oil and water don't have the same history. And if you try to bring oil and water together, they don't want to be with each other. Now, you can put oil and water in the same bottle. And you can shake up oil and water. And for a little while, it would look like they have reconciled. Y'all know what I mean? And then you put it back down and let it go, and you know what? They'll start dividing again. And you come back and you look, and there they are, split again. Oil and water. So how can you get mayonnaise when you can't even get the two primary substances, oil and water, to cooperate? Well, what happens is you need a third substance to come in to get these other two substances to cooperate. Now, this third substance is called an emulsifier. That's what it's called. Now, the egg is the substance. It's called an emulsifier. By the way, you can Google this, just in case y'all, y'all just think I'm making this up, okay? So you get the oil and you get the water, okay? And then you put a little egg in it. And you stir the egg up in the oil and water. And so once the egg gets down in there, oh, the egg looks over to the right. And he goes over to the, the oil. And he say, oil, come over here. Come over here. But then the oil say, I don't want to go over there. I'm a Republican. I don't want to go over there. I'm white. I don't want to go over there. I'm rich. I don't want to go over there. No, oh, no, no, the egg, you come on over here. You, and that boy, that oil is, oh, okay, okay. And then he, he stands right there. He said, wait a minute, stay right here. Then the egg goes over there, and he, and he gets the water. Water, come on over here. Water, I don't want to go over there. No, leave me alone. I'm black. Come on over here. Black lives matter. I don't want to go over there. Come on, come on over here. Oh, oh, we need justice. I don't want to go over there. I'm a Democrat. I don't want to go over there. Come on, come on over here. Boy, the egg is just pulling. And boy, they get pulled back and he gets, he gets pulling. Come on over here, Matt. Come over here one second. All right, come over here. All right, uh, uh, let's see here. Uh, I was going to call you, man, but you're so light-skinned. I don't know if I can call you. Yeah. Come on over. Come on over here, man. <laughs> come on. Introducing Step Curry, Step Curry. So, resist me. So he pulling it, he pulling it, pulling him over here. Come on over here. Come on over here. Come on over here. Come on. The egg is pulling him. The egg finally gets him. And then the egg has him. And the egg said, okay, I got them both together. Now we can make some miracle whip. Now, now we can make some mayonnaise. Oh, now it's going to taste good. Now we can spread it. Now we can eat it. Now we can enjoy it. That's what it's all about. That's what the egg does. But let me tell you something. You know what the egg is? It's the Holy Spirit. That's what the egg is. Go back over there one second. Back over there. So the Holy Spirit says, 
you know what? I'm going to go grab my white brother. Uh-huh. And then the Holy Spirit said, I'm going to go grab my black brother. And I'm going to bring them together. Only the flesh can't do that, y'all. It takes the Holy Spirit to do that. So, thank you, Step Curry. I appreciate that. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to unify us. And then we're going to, I know we're running out of time, went a little long, but this is kind of how we do stuff here, okay? But we are going to have communion as a sign of unity. But right now, you know what I want to do? Pastor Matt, uh, and you can go, you can go sit down. Thank you, brother. Pastor Matt, I feel led. Amen. Right now to call your elders up. Could you call your elders up and the Eagle's Nest elders, can you come up? And I want to have a word of prayer. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you were blessed by this great message. If you'd like more information about Eagle's Nest Church, please go to our website, eaglesnestchurch.org. That's all one word, eaglesnestchurch.org. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. If this message has been a blessing to you, please share it with a friend. And if you're in Metro Atlanta, come by to worship with us each Sunday at 1030 a.m. The church is located at 50 Manziel Court in Roswell, Georgia. That's 50 Manziel Court in Roswell, Georgia. We'd love to have you.